Section 12 of The Letters of Lord Nelson to Lady Hamilton, Volume 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Drumack. The Letters of Lord Nelson to Lady Hamilton, Volume 2 by Horatio Nelson. Letters from Sir William Hamilton to Lord Nelson. Letters 7 to 12. 7. Piccadilly, February the 19th, 1801. My dear Lord, whether Emma will be able to write to you today or not is a question, as she has got one of her terrible sick headaches. Among other things, that vex her is that we have been drawn in to be under the absolute necessity of giving a dinner to blank on Sunday next. He asked it himself, having expressed his strong desire of hearing Banty's and Emma's voices together. I am well aware of the danger that would attend blank frequenting our house. Not that I fear that Emma could ever be induced to act contrary to the prudent conduct she has hitherto pursued, but the world is so ill-natured that the worst construction is put upon the most innocent action. As this dinner must be, or blank would be offended, I shall keep it strictly to the musical part. Invite only Banty, her husband, and Taylor, and I wish to show a civility to Davison. I have sent him an invitation. In short, we will get rid of it as well as we can, and guard against its producing more meetings of the same sort. Emma would really have gone any lengths to have avoided Sunday's dinner, but I thought it would not be prudent to break with blank, who really has shown the greatest civility to us when we were last in England, and since we returned, and she has, at last, acquiesced to my opinion. I have been thus explicit, as I know well your lordship's way of thinking, and your very kind attachment to us, and everything that concerns us. The king caught cold at the chapel the other day, and there was no levee yesterday, and to-day the queen alone will be at the drawing-room, and I believe the new ministry will not be quite fixed until the levee day next week. As to my business, I have done all I can to bring it to a point. The pension recommended by Lord Grenville was only like Walpole's, a nominal two thousand pounds. I have represented the injustice of that, and after my having had the King's promise of not being removed from Naples but at my own request, and having only empowered Lord Grenville to remove me on securing to me a net income of two thousand pounds per annum. Lord Grenville has recommended to the Treasury the taking my extraordinary expenses into consideration. I have fully demonstrated to Lord Grenville and Treasury that eight thousand pounds is absolutely necessary for the clearing of my unfunded debt without making up for my losses. Upon the whole, then, I do not expect to get more than a net annuity above mentioned and the eight thousand pounds. But unless that is granted, I shall, indeed, have been very ill-used. 
I hope in my next to be able to inform you, Lordship, that all has been finally settled. I am busy in putting in order the remains of my vases and pictures that you so kindly saved for me on board the Four Doyons, and the sale of them will enable me to go on more at my ease and not leave a debt unpaid. But, unfortunately, there have been too many picture sales this year, and mine will come late. Adieu, my very dear Lord. May health and success attend you, wherever you go. And I flatter myself this political jumble may hasten apace and bring you back soon. Your Lordship's ever obliged and most sincerely attached friend and servant, William Hamilton. 8. Piccadilly, February the 20th, 1801. You need not be the least alarmed that Emma has commissioned me to send you the newspapers and write you a line, to tell you that she is much better, having vomited naturally, and is now purposing to take a regular one of tartar emetic. All her convulsive complaints certainly proceed from a foul stomach, and I will answer for it. She will be in spirits to write to you herself to-morrow. Adieu, my very dear lord. I have not a moment to lose as the bell is going. Your ever-attached and obliged humble servant, William Hamilton. 9. Piccadilly, March the 7th, 1801 My very dear Lord, I wish it was in my power to profit of your kind invitation, and you would soon see me and Emma on board the St. George, but I am now totally occupied in preparing for the sale of my pictures and what I have saved of my vases. To my great satisfaction, I have found some of the most capital vases, and which I thought surely lost on board the Colossus. It has comforted me much. We remain in the same cruel state with respect to the King's recovery. There can be no doubt but that His Majesty is better. However, if my conjectures are true, the Regency must soon take place, as it may be long before His Majesty could be troubled with business, supposing even his fever to have totally subsided, and the time admits of no delays. We see now the certainty of the French squadron being in the Mediterranean. God knows how all this will end, but I hope it will be your Lordship's lot to bring Paul to his senses. God send you every success and send you home safe and well crowned with additional laurels, and then I hope you will repose your shattered frame and make your friends happy by staying with them. Emma is certainly much better, but not quite free from bile. Ever, my dear Lord, your Lordship's most attached and eternally obliged humble servant, William Hamilton. 10. Piccadilly, April the 16th, 1801. What can I say, my dear Lord? that would convey the smallest idea of what we felt yesterday on receiving the authentic letters confirming your late most glorious victory, and read in your own hand that God had not only granted you complete success against the enemies of our country, but in the midst of such perils prevented you receiving the smallest scratch. We can only repeat what we know well, and often said before, that Nelson was, is, and to the last will ever be the first. However, we all agree that when we get you safe home once more, 
that you should no more risk your shattered frame. You have done enough, and are well entitled to the motto of Virgil, Hic victor castus artemque repono. The famous Broughton, after he had beaten every opponent that dared to measure hard blows with him, set up an alehouse, the Broughton's head in London, with the above verse of Virgil under it. Some years after, he was persuaded to accept the challenge of a coachman, and was beaten. Not that I mean to convey that any such thing could happen to your lordship, but you have done enough. Let others follow your examples. They will be remembered to the latest posterity. It appeared to me most extraordinary that the sixth inst, the date of your last letter to Emma, the death of the Emperor Paul, which we have no doubt of here, should not be known at Copenhagen. It appears to us that, as soon as that great event is known in Sweden and Denmark, with the severe blow that you have just given the latter, the formidable giant Northern Coalition will of itself fall to pieces, and after that we shall have the happiness of embracing you again here in a very short time. You would have laughed to have seen what I saw yesterday. Emma did not know whether she was on her head or heels, in such a hurry to tell your great news, that she could utter nothing but tears of joy and tenderness. I went to Davison yesterday morning, and found him still in bed, having had a severe fit of the gout, and with your letter which he had just received, and he cried like a child. But what was very extraordinary assured me that, from the instant he had read your letter, all pain had left him, and that he felt himself able to get up and walk about. Your brother, Mrs. Nelson, and Horace dined with us. Your brother was more extraordinary than ever. He would get up suddenly and cut a caper, rubbing his hands every time that the thought of your fresh laurels came into his head. In short, except myself, and your lordship knows that I have some phlegm, all the company which was considerable after dinner, the Duke, Lord William, Mr. Este, etc., were mad with joy. But I am sure that no one really rejoiced more at heart than I did. I have lived too long to have ecstasies, but with calm reflection I felt for my friend having got to the very summit of glory, the Nuplu Ultra, that he has had another opportunity of rendering his country the most important service, and manifesting again his judgment, his intrepidity, and humanity. God bless you, my very dear Lord, and send you soon home to your friends. Enemies you have none but those that are bursting with envy, and such animals invest all parts of the world. The king, be assured, is the weak guessing well fast. Lord Loughborough told Livingstone, who has just been here, that he was with the king the day before yesterday, before and after delivery of the seals, and that he was perfectly calm and recollected. Ever your sincerely attached, and truly obliged humble servant, William Hamilton. 11. Milford, August the 12th, 1801. My dear Lord, Emma has constantly given me every possible intelligence relative to your Lordship, and the important operations you are about at this most interesting moment. You have already calmed the minds of everybody with respect to the threatened French invasion. 
In short, all your lordship does is complete, like yourself and nobody else. But still I think there is no occasion for the commander-in-chief to expose his person as much as you do. Why should you not have a private flag known to your fleet and not to the enemy, when you shift it and go reconnoitring? Captain Hopkins, going from hence in the Speedwell Cutter to join your lordship, will be happy to introduce himself to you by presenting this letter himself. They give him a good character in this country, but my acquaintance with him is but of two days. I was yesterday with Captain Dobbins in the Diligence Cutter. We sailed out of this glorious harbour, and the day being fine sailed out some leagues and examined the Crow Rock, which is reckoned the greatest danger as to entering the harbour. But the two lighthouses lately erected take off all danger in the night, and it is visible in the daytime except a short time in spring tides. I am delighted with the improvements at Milford. It will surely be a great town. If we have peace in three years, the houses rising up like mushrooms, even in these difficult times. We allow anyone to build at their own expense, at an easy ground rent and to fall in at the expiration of three lives, or sixty years. You may judge that having two thousand acres all round the town, these inhabitants will want land for cows and horses and gardens, etc., and of course I must be a gainer in the end. I visited the two lighthouses, and found them perfectly clean and in good order, and I never could conceive the brilliant lights that they give one has sixteen reflected lights, and the other ten. Today I go upon my last visit to Lord Milford, and on Saturday set out for Piccadilly. And where I am not without hopes of meeting your lordship, as I think in the manner you dispatch business, you will have completed all by Wednesday next, the day I shall probably be in London. Charles Greville's kind compliments. The name of Nelson is in every mouth and indeed we owe everything to your judgment and exertions. Adieu, God bless you, ever your lordship's affectionate friend, and obliged humble servant, William Hamilton. 12. Piccadilly, April the 28th, 1802. My dear lord, Emma says I must write a letter to you of condolence for the heavy loss your lordship has suffered. When persons in the prime of life are carried off by accidents or sickness, or what is, I believe, oftener the case by the ignorance and mistakes of the physicians, then indeed there is reason to lament. But, as in the case of your good father, the lamp was suffered to burn out fairly, and that his sufferings were not great, and that by his son's glorious and unparalleled success he saw his family ennobled and with the probability in time of it being amply rewarded as it ought to have been long ago. His mind could not be troubled in his latter moments on account of the family he left behind him, and as to his own peace of mind, at the moment of his dissolution there can be no doubt among those who ever had the honour of his acquaintance. I have said more than I intended, but dare say your lordship had nearly the same thoughts with the addition of the feelings of a dutiful son 
for the loss of a most excellent father. It is, however, now, as your lordship is the father of your family, incumbent upon you to take particular care of your own health. Nay, you are, by the voice of the nation, its first prop and support. Keep up your spirits, and that you may long enjoy your well-earned honours, is the sincere wish of your lordship's affectionate friend and detached humble servant. William Hamilton End of section 12 Recording by Drew Mac.